This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Hello, my name is Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling and you are listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast and you better keep listening to it. Why? Here's why. You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. And welcome to another episode of the Pod Mania Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Gunn. I'm joined as ever by Chris O'Brien and Garth Jackson. Garth, you hated motherfucker. <laughs> How are you? I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled to be here to talk about this momentous <laughs> pay-per-view that I was there in person for. <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> and there Nine. we go, guys. That is our review of... <laughs> it's just Garth, one man, 10 out of 10. Um, Chris, uh, how are you? Livid. And not for why you think. <laughs> and not, not for why you think. Livid because it didn't go longer. <laughs> More Matt Morgan. So first day is family shopping day, and as my dad left the door, he was like, do you want anything? I'm like, yeah, I'll put 10 in your bank and can you get me just some random beers? Um, so he came back with a low alcohol 0.5% premium cider. <laughs> and I am like, does my money mean nothing to you? <laughs> Is this him trying to tell you something? <laughs> Here's the thing. I didn't bite his head off because it is his birthday, but he's lucky it's his birthday. <laughs> it's his birthday and you made him go out and get you beer. Just um, wait until well, tomorrow, he's, Dad. He was, going, <laughs> he was going shopping anyway and he was just like, do you want anything? I'm like, yeah, just grab me some random beer. And he got me some actual beer. I'm on the new Castle Brown tonight, but... Oh, lovely. Yes. It's, it's a special beer to us. Have you, have you drank the cider or has the cider been tipped away? I mean, I mean, the cider was... It's basically a fucking um, fizzy drink at that point, isn't it? So I just had it with my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> had it in the morning with a brew. It was lovely. Um, oh, it has no alcohol in it. <laughs> um, Garth, well, we're talking about alcohol. What are you on today, good man? <clears throat> I'm on uh, the classic uh, beer d'or. 4%. What? Nice. And green tea with lemon and honey. Of course you are, you massive, massive old man. Um, <laughs> I am on a huge fuck-off bottle of San Miguel, 660 milliliters, which I believe How is two about- pints. How much of that is down your um, south at this point? Uh, yeah, I've not had the greatest start to the podcast, I'm not going to lie. Um, I've pulled my headphones out three times because of my fat fucking head. I've... Uh, I've spilled beer down myself and I fell asleep so I missed the start of the podcast. So it's 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 it was, game well. Um it it's game well this morning. Um well today ten, in general. Um ten minutes already delayed podcast. Exactly. Um and then to top off 
all of that, um, we have come together today. Um, I just want to refresh your memory <laughs> slightly, listeners. Um, the last time we did a retro pay-per-view review, which was actually the last podcast, it shouldn't have been. Uh, we had recording issues last week where we did the entire podcast and realized I hadn't actually recorded Chris or Garth. Um, so you would just have me monologuing myself, which admittedly probably would have been more entertaining than what the fuck this show will be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the last retro pay-per-view review we did was ECW Heatwave 1998, which was top to bottom, um, a very, very good show, which all three of us really, really enjoyed. We can all agree that I have really good taste in wrestling. Mm. Um, and what we have for you today is a show that Cage Match overall has rated <laughs> um, 3.75. five. Out of 10. Out of 10. Out of 10. You know it's out of 10. Um, A match where only one match is worth your time, according to the Wrestler Observer newsletter, um, where the average rating in 2009 upon its release was 3.85. It went up, apparently, in 2010. Fuck knows why to 4.33. In 2012, people really fucking hated it. It has an average rating of 3, which leads it to its overall rating being 3.75 as it stands. Yes, we are going to be reviewing TNA Hard Justice 2009. (laughs) Now, just a couple of things, Garth, before I throw to you and you explain your fucking self. (laughs) I want to preface this by first of all saying that Garth wrongly told us that it was Hard Justice 2010, which is a much better fucking show. He also then wrongly told us it was Lockdown 2009, which is and wouldn't have required Rob to take out Impact Plus from three of us. And then on top of that, this preludes Surrender 2009, uh, sorry, no Surrender 2009, which is an infinitely better show. Where AJ Styles wins the championship. There's, you know, on the show, AJ Styles. Garth has managed to pick, basically what we're trying to say is Garth has managed to pick, and this isn't anything against Impact TNA, as I'm going to say throughout this pay-per-view, I've got really, real nostalgia for TNA, especially this era of TNA. Um, but this show, yeah, spoilers, this show is the fucking drizzling shit. <laughs> I, I promised myself a long time ago that no one would hurt me, and if my name was Mike, <laughs> you would have disappeared by now. But, yeah, just... Uh, uh, yeah. I hate it. There is... I, I, one of the people demands genetically made disappear. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, it's it's not good, Garth. It's it's probably it's probably one of the worst shows I've ever seen. Um, but is it worse than the, the big brawl? Yeah, okay, the big <laughs> event. Admittedly, it's not as bad as the big event, and yes, it's not as bad as Collision in Korea. But Collision in Korea, you had all the background. You know, first American show in oh. North Korea. You had all these things, at least that we could talk about. This is just wank. This is just grade th- A fucking shit. Can I be honest? I think Collision in Korea is better. Hear me out. 
Um, one, it's more interesting to look at in terms of history. In terms of history, this is just at T in Asia. And then um, also you had the Steiners versus um, Kensuke Suzaki and What's-His-Face match, which was really good. Ah, What's-His-Face. What a competitor. <laughs> yeah. And also um, the Joshi match. I knew I said, right, you'd call me a Mark. You are a massive Mark. A huge Mark. Mark Markison. <sighs> so, Garth, before we review this wretched show to the four people that haven't turned off realising this is what we're covering, um, <laughs> why did you choose? Why did you make us sit through this absolute fucking nonsense? Because um, I was there. That was basically it. <laughs> Yeah, reasonable. <laughs> oh. and, and like I hadn't I hadn't watched it since then. And I thought oh, it'd be interesting to watch to see what it was like. It was very interesting. <laughs> it's not. Honestly, there's there's nothing that I can say. And it, I mean we might as well just delve straight in. Before the show even fucking starts, we need to talk about this opening video package because honestly it's it's an opening video package for the ages uh, narrated by Stephen fucking Hawking is apparently it, is it Stephen Hawking like do you think they actually got Stephen Hawking or Microsoft Sam <laughs> I imagine I imagine Stephen Hawking and Jeff Jarrett are very close to be fair yeah they, they both go uh, Christ there's no joke there no there really isn't <laughs> Um, it's all about the importance of DNA and it's all splicing in footage of Matt Morgan who claims to be the DNA of TNA which is a far catchier name than the fucking blueprint um, the really 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 were high on Matt Morgan at this point blueprint all that describes Matt Morgan is back tattoo because it's not finished yet oh we need to talk about this back tattoo and seeing as you brought it up Chris we might as well use that segue is it the worst back tattoo in the entire world it looks like it looks like he said give me Brock Lesnar and they fucked it up it looks like they've said right Mom. how much would the Brock Lesnar back tattoo cost me <laughs> a, a, about a thousand dollars right well I don't have that I've got 80 what would that give me? Uh, it gives you what is basically a Digimon on your back. It looks like, I thought it was a moose. <laughs> you thought don't, it was a moose. <laughs> don't, don't you fucking despair the name of fucking Digimon on that back tattoo. <laughs> Digimon. <laughs> it, that was like the shitty Poundland version of Pokemon. Yeah, it, fight, it was. I, it I was fight, awful. I will fight you. I love that shit. Of course you did, because you're a fucking millennial. Um... <laughs> I'm actually too young to be a millennial. Did you hear that silence, Chris? That's everyone listening to this podcast <laughs> hating you. Everyone <laughs> said that to my friend. She was like, yes, us millennials. I'm like, I'm actually just too young to be a millennial. And she was like, that's the worst thing you've ever said to me. Yeah, it's, it's up there with the worst things you've ever said, full stop, I think. Um, so after this, unbelievably cheesy video package and again you're going to be seeing and hearing a lot about Matt Morgan um, throughout this entire show who is uh, by the way a mayor of Lockwood Florida so fair yeah. play to him um, and he's absolutely <laughs> shredded I don't know if you've seen a photo of Matt Morgan recently but he is oh, yeah. absolutely yeah. jacked as fuck 
Rumor, rumor has it he didn't have a manifesto, just a blueprint for one. Oh, God. I believe I made that joke when we reported. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this San Miguel is going to have to go down so, so well. Um, we cut straight to our first match, which was an X Division number one contendership steel asylum match with Daniels. Very important that it's not Christopher Daniels. It is, in fact, just Daniels. Uh, defeating Black Machismo, Jay Lethal, Consequences Creed, Chris Saban, Alex Shelley, Suicide, Amazing Red, and the debuting The Pope D'Angelo De Nero. Now, this is another reason I hate Garth, uh, because we had the debut, the fairly... The fairly boring debut, let's be honest. Not a lot happened for the Pope D'Angelo De Niro, but no surrender, the the following show, is the debut of Bobby Lashley. But no, 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 we get D'Angelo De Niro. So thanks for that, Garth. Um, I love the Pope. He was great. He was great as he progressed. He is apparently CM Punk's most hated opponent. It's um, Elijah Burke. Yeah, he found him to be a diva. And if CM Punk say... CM Punk's the biggest diva in wrestling. I was just going to say, come on, talk about pot calling the kettle black. Jesus Christ. Um, Um, I love when number one contendership matches are on pay-per-views. It makes them feel massive. (laughs) I absolutely love it. Um, Overall, I'm not... I'm not entirely sure how I feel about the Steel Asylum as a concept. Um, Just hear me out for a second the the concept of it is basically it's a dome um it's a red dome uh, it's far easier to see into it than a punjabi prison let's put it that way but the roof is <laughs> slanted and then in the top of the roof there is a tiny hole which you've got to climb up and out of now i find just it's one i think there was far too many people in the match I think eight yeah. people was too many people. I think if they got six, perfect. I think it was just everyone was a little bit too cramped with eight people in there. And secondly, I just think that's a bit unnecessarily difficult to haul yourself onto the roof of a cage to then climb up through this really quite small hole. And I know these are X Division, you know, these are people who are the highest calibre of athlete, or at least that's how the commentary team were putting them over. But even so, I do find that's a little bit... A little bit unnecessarily... Yeah, it's unnecessarily complex. Um, Those are my two main bugbears about the match, to be honest, because the rest of it, I thought, was absolutely fucking great, Garth. Yep, loved it. It's, um, It's weird when... It's weird watching it now, obviously, knowing where all these people ended up. Um, Like, obviously... Like at the time, Gia Lethal was doing the whole black machismo thing, but I still like when I watch it. When I think back and I watch it, I think I was like, "Fucking, he was great!" Like as a character and his exhibition matches overall. But Chris Sabin and Alex Shelley were two sort of MVPs in the match. Just the way they were working together and like the tandem moves they were pulling off. Um, Consequences Creed was one as well. Obviously, he's known by other names now. Um, but it's another one where you forget how actually he's so fucking good in the ring, but you never see it anymore. I know he's injured now, isn't he? But um, like WWE, he's never really had his a, a, a run of 
like matches. It's weird because whenever Xavier Woods is given the nod to be in a match, everyone always comes out of the match going, fucking hell, I forgot how good Xavier Woods was. Mm-hmm. There was a match. I'm sure it was the Money in the Bank 2017 show where he and Kofi uh, defeated the Usos. And Xavier was absolutely great. He was the MVP of the match. But obviously, when you've got three competitors, where you've got Kofi, who's been with the company for God knows how long, and Big E, who's been with the company far longer than anyone else realizes, you know, it, it is difficult to put them all in a match. Um, do we think that Lethal Consequences is the greatest <laughs> tag team name ever? They said that, and I legitimately popped. How sad is that? I forgot. I'd forgotten. I was like, yes. It's, it's such an amazing it, name. I think we are forgetting about the um, the just majesty of naming, but it's Hedgies. <laughs> <laughs> um, just quickly moving away from this, uh, the AEW, uh, dead, is it Deadly? Deadly? Oh, what's it called? The, the women's tag team tournament they're doing anyway. Um, and I'm not going to go into the whole women's debate that is absolutely flooding Twitter. Um, but... Yes, Tenora Conti, who has just been released from the WWE, is teamed with Anna Jay. And they were teasing for ages, oh, what's our name going to be? Oh, what's our name going to be? And they ended up just going with TJ. I mean, that's so fucking anticlimactic. I was like, oh, oh that's fucking boring, isn't it? But Lethal Concert, it just worked. It just worked. And yeah. Black Machismo, what a fucking gimmick. I think it's up there. That's your majesty tier of parody gimmicks, isn't it? You have to thank Kevin Nash for that because he there was literally a whole thing where he was sitting down with the Activision guys and going, "You're all boring, so I'm going to give you all existing gimmicks." I love sat- the idea that he's just sat holding counsel. <laughs> I really, really hope he was in his doctor persona as well, Doctor Nash. He was now accusing Sanjay Dutt of being on the juice. <laughs> oh. Amazing. I completely I just, agree with you, Garth. I think the the Motor City Machine Guns were by far and away the main f- sort of linchpin of this match. They were absolutely great. It was another like um, match as well where they brought in Amazing Red because he only ever used to come in for these sort of exhibition matches every now and then. But it was always whenever I used to watch a TNA show and Amazing Red came on, I was always like excited because he always does crazy shit and he's so quick. Have you seen this match with Osprey yet and the Jacob? No. Um, seek it out if you have the time because you'd love it. I just, it's another one that came out. I was like, oh, I forgot about him. Yeah, he was really good. And that bump he takes as well off the top of the cage. Oh, my God. <laughs> Flat back full, as well. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Um, Red, 2,000 people maybe will see this in their entire lives. Don't risk your fucking body for DNA. <laughs> uh, can I, this can is when I... TNA was shit hot, man. Can I say what I think about the match now? No. Um, Anyway, so... No, I'm joking. (laughs) Go on, I'm joking. Okay, so I have a few things. One, immediately, Jay Lethal goes with SmackDown versus Raw approach of just run for the cage. But that, (laughs) that's something that I love because no person, no person thinks to just, right, my aim is to get out of the cage, right? Fuck fighting you. I'm just going to race you to the top. Believe me, it's one of the few few moments of logic you're going to see in this match. Um, thing, I, I do normally love these multi-man X-Division spot fest, right? It's it's a guilty pleasure of mine. But the issue is, normally you have people like 
sliding up a ring and selling off of the camera, but you can't do that in this match because we're in a cage. So you kind of just have everyone watching the action. And there was a few moments in this match where you could just see people watching the action. I do agree with the moves in this match. Fucking incredible, especially the guns. I do agree that the guns are just probably the best tag team to never be signed. Best American tag team, I should say, to never be signed with WWE and yet, including everyone who's currently signed to AEW. They're just incredible. Like the fact that they've never had a big money run, and like because TNA isn't a big money run, yeah. is incredible. Like they're just amazing. And um, just like all my notes that praise this match are mostly the guns because they're just incredible. It's like, I don't Did you not love that. Uh, do not love that super mega Tower of Doom pile drive off the top row. Oh my god, that looked incredible with suicide coming <laughs> off the roof. <laughs> Here's the thing: when everyone was doing that, um, when everyone was doing like that power bomb spot, I was not a fan because logically, don't join in, go to the other side and climb. No yeah. one did. <laughs> like another thing, like just as like this is just I don't. This is gonna annoy some people and not others, but like sometimes, like it, like what really annoyed me was when everyone was about to do the power bomb. Amazing Red was g- climbing up the cage like someone should, and then decided, nah, I'm going to jump off and complete the powerbomb. Why? Right. You are talking about booking logic, yet really enjoyed the match where everyone stuck their thumb up everyone's ass. I Right. I'm not being funny. It was a very different context to an indie show like PWG. And and what's meant to be the second, the second biggest wrestling company fighting for its second biggest belt? See, I I disagree. I mean, you're always going to have, especially in a cage, you're always going to have moments where you can't go anywhere. And yes, potentially they could have hidden that slightly better. But I think you've got to look past that, especially in this match. Yes, booking sort of goes, and logic certainly goes out of the fucking window on a couple of these other matches. Well, there was a point near the end where Daniels is hanging there with the Pope starts climbing. Oh, and I know like, what you're going to say. Yeah, okay. He hasn't been selling his ma- his leg for the whole fucking time, and then suddenly his leg hurts because I can't, I'm not allowed to climb. No one's targeted his legs. He hasn't targeted, he hasn't sold his leg once. And the commentators didn't realize he was selling his leg because they said, oh, he has animosity or suicide. How? They've never met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it was very, very strange that Daniels, having thrown Amazing Red down to take that awful bump, which we spoke about earlier, so Daniels is hanging from the cage roof by his leg. There is nothing, because everyone's been taken out with, you know, huge moves, there is nothing stopping the Pope from going through the hole, but instead he fights with Suicide, who he's had minimal contact with in this match. They've probably had the least to do with each other in this match and just has this inexplicable need to climb back down the cage to fight him, leaving Daniels to... Who's been hanging there with his legs stuck? So you think, oh, that's obviously a story beat. And it's not. He just frees his leg, climbs through the hole. Which... I do agree with you, Chris. That was that was certainly a moment, and for me, admittedly, the only moment where I was like, "What the fuck is that? Why? Why? Surely, if Daniels is stuck, there's a reason he's stuck." I just, I, no. I didn't, I didn't really understand that. But the rest of the match, and I know that it's, it's, you know, it's sort of a staple of these matches where we just get one finisher after another, and just there was that sequence where everybody hit their finisher. 
Yeah, in the middle. Yeah, it was so gratifying. And I know that people are just going to say, yeah, well, it was spot. There was no logic. It was just spot after spot after spot after spot. I don't That's care. Looked, it looked fucking great. That press slam gut buster that uh, Consequences Creed did was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. The blue thunderbomb from Daniels. Um, Machismo hitting like this satellite sit out face buster. <laughs> amazing. He's like just so smooth. Like. He was doing like belly to bellies and things like that, and they were just they just looked so crisp. Do you know who's... I constantly forget how good he was? Do you know who's playing suicide at the time? Well, I was gonna was ask you this. I thought it was Kazarian. It is Kazarian. Because uh, he went through about fourteen suicides, him and didn't Daniels they? Daniels used to sort of swap. Um who's played suicide? It was Daniels, it was um TJP. TJP and someone else. Austin Aries. Austin Aries was um Suicide at one point. Austin Aries has been suicide. It was part of an angle. I was just going to say that, you know, you think it's about so- how or the, the idea, the very idea of suicide, Austin Aries doesn't fit that. I mean, I know he's ultimately a cruiserweight, but what? He, he was he was suicide in the same way that Chris Jericho was doink. <laughs> I forgot. Oh, my God, man. What are they doing to you? No, no, no. It's supposed to be. It's an angle, mate. Um <laughs> Anyway, so ultimately, the winner of this would go on to face the winner of the Samoa Joe versus Homicide match later on the night. At note two, face the mat, no surrender for the X Division belt, with that winner ultimately being Daniels. Um, Jeremy Borash then catches up to Daniels on the ramp, which it really winds me up, and it's something that JR used to do before he eventually moved to commentary in the WWF, where they just catch you on the ramp. It's like, they've just had a match. Fuck off. (laughs) Catch them later on in the night. It's the worst time to interview someone, because, like, is there any way to, like, I'm not being funny, like, even when you've, like, worked out for a while, you can't really cohesively talk for a couple minutes. Like, after, what was this? A 16-minute match, which I think maybe the longest match on the card. Um, oh, it is by miles. Oh, it is? Jesus Christ. I hate TNA. Um, yeah, it's just not the best thing to do. Also, why isn't JB on commentary? He's the best thing in this company. Well, well, yeah, quite. Because um, I've got Don West. Yeah, exactly. You've got Don West who just says that this company is the most amazing thing in the world and then inexplicably <laughs> turns heel commentator halfway through the prim- uh, halfway through the pay-per-view. <laughs> no, I, I think I mentioned this in the group chat, but like Don West spent and Mike Tanay spent half of his pay-per-view trying to justify TNA's existence. I do like Mike Tanay, to be fair, and I've been watching quite a lot of old WCW, and his knowledge oh, is amazing and uh, especially next to dusty who knows nothing well yeah exactly and especially you know with bobby heenan who especially later on in his tenancy with uh, wcw didn't know a lot of the guys Tanay was fucking great is he a play-by-play guy no he's a color guy mm. but you know needs must i suppose um jeremy borash then interviews daniels um basically says whoever wins, they're going to lose at no surrender. He then finishes off by dedicating his victory tonight to AJ Styles, who's at home, apparently, uh, too appalled at his best of three series loss to Matt Morgan to come into work. And I think I speak for everyone when I say if I'd lost a best of three series to Matt Morgan, I think I wouldn't come in either. Um, we then get more stuff. Well, wait, 
What were we rating? Oh, I apologize. Yes, uh, I give it eight. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Easily, easily, easily the best match of the night. Garth? Eight. Okay, Chris, you're wrong, whatever you've rated it. so I, I agree that it's definitely the best match of the night. But also, I felt like the structure didn't really lend to me remembering much. Like, I uh, earlier, just a thought experiment, I only watched this over the weekend. Um, I tried to remember shit that happened without um, looking at my notes, and I couldn't. And I think that's because the structure didn't lead to anything being memorable. Like, it I think you can say that about a lot of like that type of match. So look at any of the matches on like an NXT takeover. And also, you watched this match like two weeks ago. That's probably why. I said over the week. I, I literally just said I watched it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I give it high six, close seven. You're just wrong. I mean, like, it's in line with the people in cage match sense. Even Meltzer gave it four. And Meltzer I mean, hates TNA. Meltzer gave 4.75 to fucking Lucha Bros versus Omega and Hangman Page. Because that's Omega. No, I was just going to say, Omega could shit in a bucket and he'd give it four. I mean, I'd buy it for four, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, we then get Lauren Thompson, who is interviewing Matt Morgan. It's here that I noticed for the first time that they're using Blueprint like it's his first name, and it's really <laughs> annoying because it's just the way she's <laughs> intonating it. She's like, Blueprint Matt Morgan. So, you know, Blueprint Matt Morgan. It's like, it's not his <laughs> fucking name. It's Christian so, name. He wasn't christened Blueprint Morgan. May I call you Blue? Um, so Morgan basically talks about how he's having sick of having his chain jerked <laughs> by Kurt Angle. Cheeky. Um, he once wanted into the main event Mafia. Uh, he's now focused on the title, saying that an Olympic gold medalist or a wrestling icon, neither of them can stand in the way of greatness or while posing like a Poundland Randy Orton. Do you mind if I read my um, notes verbatim? Because they're not long. I would love you to, Chris. Okay, so my first thing is why does why does the interviewer look so fucking confused? She's asking very simple questions. Why are you so confused? If maybe you're not fit for this job. Secondly, um, his voice doesn't back up his look. He sounds like a bitch. It's like Brock Lesnar thing, isn't it? Yeah, but at least Brock Lesnar has put. Why didn't you put Taz with fucking? Because Samoa Joe doesn't need a match. We'll get to that. Yeah, I know. I I am one hundred percent with you there, Chris. Because that's a note I've made later on. Why the fuck does Samoa Joe of all people? Has it, I mean, we've all seen that thing this week that he did, where he stood up to Seth Rollins and Murphy, and it's the greatest thing in the world. Why the fuck does that need a mouthpiece? Good Wait, God. Let's just move on, because otherwise we'll just complain about. Oh, my, next is my boy. Well. Just quickly before you start, because <laughs> I know what you're going to talk about. We then get a video package between all about the feud between Dr. Stevie, which is uh, Steve Williams. Not Steve Williams. Um, Steve Richards. Richards, thank you. Steve Williams. Williams. <laughs> Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Uh, and Abyss. Um, basically, Abyss is his patient, and after a squabble, uh, Williams puts a $50,000 bounty on his head, as you do as a medical professional. Um, He's a former W employee working for TNA. Where does he have that? <laughs> exactly. I was like, where the fuck? Jesus, I'm in the wrong He's profession. A um, He's a doctor. Is he, though? It, would you trust a doctor that you have a mild squabble and then he puts a bounty on your head? A bounty that is accepted by none other 
Chris, who was it accepted by? Very quickly, I do believe... Uh, Jethro? I do believe that he has people who can take people away because he looks like Marty Giannetti. But... <laughs> but, um, yeah, he is joined by my boy, Jethro Holiday. <laughs> and... Dickie. I, I looked into him on um, Cage Match and people, someone has rated him um, on average 5.59, which I think is disgustingly low. For reference, that's about the same as the Phantom Menace gets on Metacritic, which is fucking disgusting. He's not the Phantom Menace of people. He's the Empire Strikes Back of people. He's not appreciated in his time. He is the Van Gogh of wrestling. But anyway, Trevor Murdoch probably helped have the second best match on this card, and it was distinctly average. He is my boy, but, you know, we can only drag so much out of someone like Abyss. Um, Murdoch, he had some good chops of a start. We can't take that away from him. Some solid chops. Not Walter, but, you know, not quite Stacey Keebler. Um, he jumped, uh, Murdoch jumped out of the way of an abyss knife and threw him into the post. I thought that was great. Um, it's classic workman stuff. Make someone else take the bad bumps, and then you look good. Perfect. But the, the, best, uh, the best bump was the chair. Yeah, we'll it's get so that. fucking random. Um, the Mur- uh, Murdoch missing an elbow into the ring post. That's some great stuff. Gets some great heat on the baby face. He's a perfect heel. Um, then he put a chair up, um, <laughs> chair up half an hour before Abyss flashed. That was weird. So, like, Abyss put the chair on him to do, like, it was like the um, Yokozuna splash. I know the earthquake splash. And then he, Trevor <laughs> Murdoch put it up. About half a mile before a bit turned up. And at the same time, when I was looking, I was like, hang on a minute, that's going to hurt Trevor just as much. Yeah, because Abyss mean, like, is not a skinny dude. Uh-huh. Yeah, but also, I don't believe a monster has testicles. So, like, who's that, what's that really hurting? Like, where did the chair go? Who are you to say that Abyss has no testicles? I mean, like, do monsters have testicles? Have you ever met a monster? A couple, yes, but like I just described them as my ex. <laughs> Good grief! Um, this it wasn't bad. I mean, I know that you are a massive, massive fan of uh, of Trevor Murdoch slash Jethro Holiday, but <laughs> a, I can't take seriously anyone's name when it's Jethro Holiday. I don't give a shit if he's an outlaw. He's only an outlaw because his name's shit. If he had a good name, he wouldn't be an outlaw. He'd be accepted into society. Um, no one <laughs> no one is looking at the name Jethro Holiday and going, oh my God, I'm fucking terrified. Oh, but you, I was like, yeah, you helped my genetic murder a gay guy, but like... Um... Will you stop making Marty Janay <laughs> references? You never specified how many I could make earlier. You've, out, you've gone your... over your quota now. You've put them all. You've I, spaffed I, it all up the wall. You've also date stamped this forever. I have date stamped this forever, but like I took your silence as a, as many as you like. Anyway, there were there were some good moments in this. Um, Holiday attempting a float over a bit, scouting it, not moving, catching him, and then sending him headfirst into a chair. That was that was great. And the match flowed quite well. There was a couple of weird moments, like where the fuck did he get the brass knuckles from? Um, Dr. Stevie. Dr. Oh, did Dr. Stevie slide them in? I didn't see that. It was like, where the fuck has he got them from? Um, <laughs> why does he drop the lead pipe? 
you're beating the shit into him with the lead pipe. The ref is fine with it. Keep beating, beating the shit out of him with a lead <laughs> pipe. Um, but yeah, that that doesn't continue. Um, he ends up hitting Abyss ends up hitting a black hole slam, uh, meaning that Doctor Stevie actually manages to keep his fifty thousand dollars, yet seems really annoyed about it, and I don't quite understand why. Um, I have. Th- yeah. One, um, the crowd were chanting. Despite the fact it was meant to be like a surprise black hole slam, the crowd were chanting it beforehand. So Gaff never talked to me about cunty crowds again because you were one of them. Um, <laughs> it was you. You were the start of this. <laughs> it was you. It sounded jolly. Um Second of all, in terms of keeping fifty thousand dollars, he doesn't want that fifty thousand dollars more than he wants a bit to not be around anymore. Nah, I th- no, I, I, I personally, and I'm reading into this, I. I would always want fifty thousand, you know, fifty thousand dollars over a random man that I haven't really got that much of a beef with. If I'm perfectly honest, um, Goff, what did you think of this match? It was all right. It was like I can't really add much more to what's already been said. It was, it was a decent. I did take our notes here. Um, but what? This is one thing that annoys us with inconsistencies in wrestling and on this one is where Dr. Stevie is completely and utterly put into a coma with one punch from Jethro Holiday at the end when he turns on him and it's like well hang on a minute <laughs> you could take about 10 or 15 of them in a match but you take one outside of the rules of the bell game over he's been pummeled by a monster for 8 minutes and 49 seconds Gaff not Dr. Stevie Holland oh then yeah, it's stupid. Um, so I'll give it a five as an average match. Yeah, my my um, conclusion from this match was no frills, but a serviceable hot match, five out of ten. Um, I also gave it five. Um, one thing that did wind me up, and it was something I didn't mention before, um, whoever did the job of mixing the sound of the show did an absolutely fucking atrocious job because the match graphic that comes up before each of the matches has a background track and then a man speaking about what is happening in the match. But the man is completely inaudible because the background music is so fucking loud. <laughs> it's the, the job that they've done is absolutely atrocious. It's like... Also, the guy who's done the actual graphics has had an absolute nightmare as well. Because yeah. people's... People's names were just randomly inserted. Like, for instance, when Samoa Joe comes down, it's Samoa Joe. Then under his name, it's just got Taz. <laughs> it's not like with Taz or featuring Taz. It's just got Samoa Joe, Taz. Well, it's better than uh, it's like, when yeah. Booker T comes out and it just says Main Event Mafia, offensively high on the on the placard. <laughs> and then just Booker T, like, crammed at the bottom. It's like, you had so much space to play with. What <laughs> like, are you doing? I'm not being funny. Like, um, my guy, someone got paid for that, and Garth did all our graphics for free. Yeah, including podcasts he's not on. It's because we on my phone. we pay him in cocaine. That's why. <laughs> so anyway, we move on to our third match, which is for the feast or fired briefcase, uh, which the British invasion. <laughs> The British Invasion, Magnus, Doug Williams, and Big Rob Terry. I remember (laughs) absolutely fucking nothing about these. But they've stolen the briefcase from Hernandez, basically is the story going into this. 
Rob, you forgot the Kurt Angle promo. I did, didn't I? Um, he's backstage talking to JB, um, and Borash basically makes this wild assumption that's going to be every man for himself. Kurt was great here because he just has this cool arrogance talking about how Matt's green and young, and come the end of the night, I'm just going to have a little word with him. Fucking great. Mm. Kurt Angle was great throughout the entire night. Well, two things I enjoyed. Um, one, well, not enjoyed, but one, he's looking really rough. Oh, no. No. Then, like, he was, like, he had, it was the beginning of his distance there. I mean, he is looking rough now, to be fair. Yeah. Isn't, it, isn't this when he was um, injured and he couldn't really train as much? So he yeah. lost loads of weight? Yeah, that, and also he was on painkillers all the time because he was injured. And also, um, so after this promo, he gets up to go see Abyss. That that will come into play later. Not Abyss, Matt Morgan. I was just going to say, why Abyss? They're just, they're just as shit as each other. <laughs> um, so the British Invasion, and this is going to play into um, what we talk about later, they are the current IWGP World Tag Team Champions during the ill-fated Impact TNA New Japan Pro Wrestling Alliance that led to Kazuchika Okada becoming the green fucking Hornet. Uh, I, I, I like to attribute this to um, New Japan's successes later on. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, I think it's more. It was Okada's best run. Mm, mm. <laughs> Stop it's trying to of, uh, trigger like Twitter marks, Garth. I mean, you mark it there. You couldn't even make it in TNA for fuck's sake. <laughs> no chance. Um, anyway, so it turns out British Invasion are thieves and have stolen the Feast or Fire briefcase, which apparently makes them legitimate holders of the briefcase, which is absolute <laughs> fucking nonsense. They put Hernandez on the shelf for three months, and basically this is his opportunity to get some retribution. Um, the amazing Rob Terry. What a talent. I mean, this match lasted nine seconds. And that that in itself... And it was finished with a fucking shoulder That's charge. what winds me up. It's not the nine seconds. I mean, he basically goads them all into the ring, takes out Magnus, takes out Douglas, and then just takes out enormous man-mounting Rob Terry... With a shoulder tackle, a devastating shoulder tackle. Um, nine seconds. Hernandez gets his briefcase back. What the fuck is this? Rob Terry's in the ring, screaming, "It's not over! It's not over!" You've just been pinned after a shoulder tackle after nine seconds. Shut the fuck up. Um, what is this absolute fucking nonsense? I wonder if Rob Terry either pissing somebody's soup or. They looked at it and thought, actually, this guy is absolute drizzling shit. So we need to get that up right now. <laughs> Shat, yeah, he's shatting someone's stuff up back There was no he? way he can have any type of title challenge ever. <laughs> he was, I mean, he even took the shoulder tackle wrong because he ended up bumping just completely weirdly. Watch it back. He bumps in such a fucking strange for the, way. For the amount of time that I've watched TNA and on and off, I would. Gladly and without hesitation, say he is the worst thing they have ever had in TNA ever. I mean, Matt Morgan, he was fucking atrocious. I mean, Matt no, Morgan. No, no, to no. be fair, Matt Morgan looks like fucking Bret Hart compared to Rob Terry. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> wow. I, I mean, wow. Did, 
didn't Rob Terry um didn't didn't isn't he the guy who became who went with Robbie E and he became Robbie T? No, that was uh, Jesse. Somebody. Oh, Jesse got it. like he became Mister Spectacular. But he was even infinitely better than Rob Terry. I mean, like Rob Terry, I've I've only I don't I was twelve at the time, so I can't remember any of this. But like, I don't know he was okay. The best part about this is later on, um, and we'll talk about it when we get to it. But there's even like a sort of fuck you to Rob Terry in the next match. Oh wait. Quickly, did you guys notice the um, font used on the British Invasions? The Beatles font. Yeah, the Beatles font. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we, we'll get into this when we get onto the actual IWGP match, but like, they're really into their national stereotypes, aren't they? It's, it's, Amer- it's America, isn't it? This is America. <laughs> Surprisingly, they didn't come down with baller hats. <laughs> <laughs> Just Mary Poppins it all the way. Just embrace all yeah. the stereotypes. Come down drinking <laughs> tea, eating crumpets. Coming down on an umbrella and Mary Poppins, yell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we wouldn't say gonna, y'all. Not, to, to be fair, I'm, uh, I, I, do like, I do like the little, little handshake they do. Him and Doug Williams. Uh, oh, like... oh, Doug Williams had an amazing handshake. <laughs> what? Wow. That sounds weird. It does. But like... Yeah, it really does. But like, yeah, let's, but like, <laughs> let's move on to confused actually, Lauren. There's a really good. Um, I'll hand it to Tini on this, right? The video promos are really good for each match. Yeah, they aren't bad to be fair. Aside yeah, from that opening would... package that was narrated by yeah, Stephen oh, yeah. fucking Hawking. <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they're all decent. Well, no, well known, well known wrestling fan. <laughs> well known well, TNA fan. <laughs> They work out of a TV studio, so like I'd expect it to be somewhat quality. Didn't stop them fucking up the match graphics, so did it. Um, so <laughs> Confused Lauren is back, and she's talking to Beer Money Inc. Um, they have just lost the TNA Tag Team Championships to Steiner and Booker T of the Main Event Mafia, and apparently it's because they respected them um, and basically they are now not going to respect anyone and you know they they go into detail about all the things they've done to win matches James Storm's list spitting on people's mamas and <laughs> kicking dogs to I love the I love being money like to the absolute <laughs> disgust of 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 uh, poor confused Lauren they, they were great here. I I love being money um I, I think Storm was great here I again I'm gonna read this note verbatim. Um my thoughts on Bobby Reed part of a promo. Um Bobby Reed cutting the promo that made up uh, made up of emo teens tweets. Um we are sick of having feelings. We are sick of having emotions. <laughs> <laughs> Every my chemical romance fan. Like fucking I listened to Welcome to the Black Parade one time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we then get another one of these uh, these video packages, which you're absolutely right, Garth, do a really good job of sort of introducing you to the feud if you haven't been watching Impact TV. Um, we get a quick run-through of the feud between Beer Money and the British Invasion um, as we're going for our IWGP World Tag Team Championship match. The British Invasion have aligned themselves with the World Elite, which is a stable consisting of Eric Young, Kiyoshi and Sheikh Abdul-Bashir, who is more commonly known as Davari, the manager of Great oh, Kali, and Mohammed Hassan. 
Tokyoshi is currently stink, um, is currently most recently known for stinking up all Japan. <laughs> there you go. And I mean, I mean stinking up. He is fucking awful nowadays. So you've got serial jobber Eric Young, serial manager Sheikh Abdul Bashir, and serial crap wrestler Kiyoshi. Good stuff. <laughs> and um, very green Magnus. And very, very green Magnus. Doug Williams, who was good. In my notes, I have not referred to Beer Money and the British Invasion by their names. I've referred to them respectively as Storage Wars and UKIP. <laughs> Um, I want to quickly start this match by saying I don't understand how a person who is supposed to be the mouthpiece of a stable can be so fucking abhorrent on the microphone. Eric Young was absolutely atrocious here. I will... I will defend Eric here. He is a great promo in the right context. No, 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 no. Stop defending him. He's a good promo now, and he's a great promo later on in TNA. Here, Chris, he's got no fucking idea what he's talking about. He lays out their manifesto in the most monotone, stumbling over words, not remembering what he's supposed to be saying, and this is throughout the fucking match. You would have let me finish. He is not like um, suited up representing essentially a what seems to be a political organization is not Eric Young like you see him before. He was basically Eugene, but better. He was like also hearing him talk makes my throat hurt. Oh, right. If you think that's bad, I watched the G1 Climax 27 earlier this year with fucking Takayashi Homna on commentary, and he sounds like. Gravel. He literally sounds like it gravel. It is really uncomfortable listening to it both sounds, of them. It sounds like the Christian. But going for, like the the Rob Terry thing I was talking about before. If you notice, they list all the countries that are part of this world invasion. But for the British invasion, they put England. And Rob Terry's Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a big fuck you to Wales. <laughs> it's all basically I, England, isn't it? Let's be honest. Scotland, basically England. Think... I will fucking fight you. <laughs> uh... His thing, did you know it's the fucking Oriental font they used to introduce the IWGP Championship? I did, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I'm so surprised we didn't say the Orient. (laughs) From the Orient. And have that type of music as well. It's always amazing when they play the stereotypically racist music for anyone Japanese. so, Gav, I don't know if you know this, but Yoshitatsu in all Japan recently has started using his WWE theme. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Was it not like some sort of like... Um, Something like, you'd hear in a fucking arcade game, yeah. Like a techno trance. Yeah. We're talking about all of it because this match is fuck all to talk about, apart from Magnus is, was really bad at this time. And I not, thought this was I thought this was all right, actually. I I'm not saying Magnus is bad now. Nick Aldis is a more than capable champion of an indie fair back like NWA. But eh, like he could not work here. You can obviously. see he's extremely He's very obviously green, and um, I don't put this on him because he's clearly only been going so long. I put this on TNA for having him on national TV. But like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think he's that bad. I mean, to be fair, I mean, like Doug Williams does most of their legwork anyway. No, I've 
for the like, first five minutes of his match. And uh, bumps for like a boss. Oh, Williams is fu- was fucking amazing, even up until like his first retirement back in 2018 um, and progress. I haven't seen any of his Noah stuff, but apparently it's all right. But... Yeah, ha- Williams is fucking amazing. And I have he- noted that uh, at this point, like this is where the money started getting like over huge. Oh, they were really over here, um, and like that sort of helped this match because they just did house, they did house show spots. Like, yeah. oh, we're gonna do the sixty nine thing. Oh, uh, that was shocking, wasn't it? Like, I'm not being funny. You can tell this show's written by Vince Russo. Um, just yeah, I've, apart that's literally the only part of this match I felt worth noting down. Apart from Aldis's botches, because everything else was just sort of distinctly average. There's nothing that stands out apart from the bad things, which like I think yeah, you know, he had some good again some good sort of tag moves by Beer Money, which you would expect. Um, I mean, yeah, that's the, that's the least I was I would expect yeah. to on national television. Yeah, it was it was just a decent just a. a a decent time match, not not special. I think it was bad. I think it was actually bad because it was average and then dragged down by the fact that um, a quarter of the members don't know how to wrestle at this point. Eric Young spoke about how the pound isn't what it used to be, so they collectively <clears throat> need the winner's share of the purse. Now, that's actually a lie. What the because... fuck? Yeah, because for a start, I was in America in 2009. It fucking wasn't. Exactly. I was there and I'd bought me, I'd, I'd got 500, I'd got $1,000 for just over 500 quid. But that's what I mean. There like, you go. if he's just inane prattle throughout the entire match, it was like that fly you can't get rid of because the fucker won't find the open window. It just shut <laughs> up. And honestly, it got to a point where I couldn't concentrate on the match because all I was listening to was Eric Young droning about and, stu- <laughs> and stumbling. That was the worst thing. If he's just his monotone voice, that's one thing. But the fact he can't fucking talk, how, how, how did he become the leader of sanity? And how mm-hmm. did he become over later on in TNA? And indeed, earlier in become- TNA. Eric Daniel Bryan Young. Exactly, Bryan Young. <laughs> that was so blatant. It happened literally eight days after WrestleMania 30. He just he wound me up so much. Um, what 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 have you rated it then? I think I rated it. I rated it three. I thought this match was wow. Off. No, seriously, there was nothing like it was a distinctly average match. Budget and when only the budget stands out, it's not a good match. I've just gone five. It was just a the average, middle of the road tag. Yeah, match. I've gone five. The 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 botches from Magnus didn't weren't offensively bad, and they certainly weren't as standout as I think you found them, Chris. Or I didn't find them as standout as you did. Uh, I, I think it's because I'm just used to like from like 2013 on onwards. Magnus was he's never blow away, but he's always solid. And I'm just used to that level of quality. And I guess that kind of not fair, but also why put someone of that low a level on your national television programme when you have AJ Styles off of this pay-per-view, when you have Frankie Kazarian in a mask, when you have access to basically anyone of the indies and you don't take advantage of that for this weird British guy who can't do anything right now. I thought it was... 
I didn't really notice anything that bad. No, the thing that wound me up about this match was Eric Young's commentary. Um, <laughs> and I will persist to tell you that was how bad it was. Now, boys, um, I'd like to read you my notes verbatim. Um, as as Chris would say, <laughs> for this entire thing. So first, I'll uh, I'll read my notes verbatim uh, regarding the promo that leads into this match. One second, Chris. Wait your turn. Then don't care. Shush. Then we will go to the TNA Knockouts Championship match. I'll read my notes verbatim, and then I'll let everyone else talk because I have thoughts about this fucking angle. So, <laughs> anyway. Pull up a chair, please. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to open the beer. Lauren is backstage once again, this time with a team of ODB and Cody Dina, who will tag tonight against the beautiful people with Angelina Love's TNA Knockouts Championship on the line. Poor, confused Lauren begins to ask what will happen if Cody wins the title, but Dina preempts what he thinks she is going to say and says, I know what you're going to ask. What happens if those three ladies in that ring try and rape Cody Dina? <laughs> and then underneath I've just written, fucking hell. Then underneath that I've written, Lauren then tries to keep the promo desperately on track by asking ODB what she will do if she wins the title. This is a mistake because after calling it the knocked up title... ODB says that she will squirt lime juice over it, shine it up, and this is a direct quote, on her big mm -hmm. monster boobies before putting it on her truck. Taking Dina for the ride of his life. And then underneath that, <laughs> I've just written, fucking hell. Um, now, Chris, I believe you have uh, notes about this promo. What did your notes say? My notes. My notes literally just says, um, this sucked. I'm going to let Rob handle this. Yep. Um, that, that's it. Uh, we had we had a rape joke in uh, in 2009 TNA because that is apparently acceptable. Uh, Garth, is there anything you want to add about this absolute car wreck of a promo? Um, the only thing I would like to say is Vince Russo 2009. <laughs> Vince Russo does not like women. No, he doesn't. And he really doesn't. that sort of explains whatever the fuck this is. So, guys, again, just uh, take a seat and uh, I'll read you my notes <laughs> for this match, which is ODB and Cody Dina defeating Angelina Love, who is the TNA Knockouts champion, and Velvet Sky. So, <clears throat> here we go. After the beautiful people's hypersexualized entrance, in which we see altogether too much of Velvet Sky, we start the match, but not before the <laughs> aforementioned Sky threatens ODB with her can of redneck spray. We open with ODB and Angelina Love, and though ODB initially overpowers Love, she misses a splash in the corner, which allows Sky and Love to assert control. ODB, it's a shoulder tackle, tags in Dina who then slaps Velvet Sky repeatedly on the ass while the crowd sing, he's a pervert. And then, un Until it's red, raw. And then underneath I've just written, fucking hell. Um, after this nonsense, we go back to Love and ODB, the former yanking the latter down from the top rope. Sky's tagged back in now, complete with enormous red hand marks on each ass cheek. Mm. 
Uh, Sky and Love continue to grind down ODB, not a sex joke, with a series of chokeholds before the Charger powers out and tags in Dina, oh goody, uh, who then just full-on sexually assaults all three members of the beautiful people by sticking his fetid tongue down their throats. Uh, thankfully, he does eat a kick to the dick from Sky and a super kick from Love, but it doesn't scrub the image of this absolute fucking nonsense from my mind. Uh, Rain then attempts to spray Cody Dina with the redneck spray, misses, sprays Sky instead. Uh, Dina rolls her up and then joins along with the three count with hard slaps of Sky's ass. Um, surely this means that Dina is the Knockouts champion. No, apparently ODB wins the title due to Dina being on her team, though this wasn't mentioned at all in the lead-up to this match. Uh, Dina then clearly feels the same and storms off with the belt. Uh, Love and Sky then turn on Madison Rain, but the referee wards them off, all to the soundtrack of Velvet, uh, because Velvet Sky was the most over thing about this match, which tells you what a fucking mess it was. And then underneath I've just written, this was the worst thing I have ever fucking seen. Uh, match rating, zero stars. Um... Now, Garth, I believe you gave this match one star, and I ask you, as a human being, how on <laughs> earth can you listen to what I've just read and think there is a single star in that match? I didn't realise we would go to zero. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. I thought it was like Amazon um, reviews. <laughs> but uh, um, I thought... At this time, and I remember watching it, the actual the the beautiful people gimmick was actually quite funny, um, and also some of the moves in the mess in the match, the actual wrestling moves that they pulled off weren't too bad, but other than that, it was an absolute car crash of dog shit and perversion, and did you so? May may I speak my piece? If you dare say that this was anything more than a zero star, I will kick you off this fucking podcast, Chris O'Brien. As of the 12th of May of 2018, I have been a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. On that same podcast, I curated the, the metric on which we um, measure things, because you guys didn't measure matches, so I introduced one out of ten. Rob decided, decided he liked it, brought it forward to all other um, podcasts. In that time, I watched such classics as Yoshihashi versus Yoriashi Tenzan, um, Yuji Nagata and um, Nakanishi versus um, Tenkoji. I have also watched matches not in Japan. For example, I was once forced to watch the big event. And this is the worst match I've ever watched for the sake of a review. I struggled to call this a wrestling match. For all the reasons um, Rob discussed, and like on a deeper level, what we need to remember is ODB and Cody Dina are the baby faces here. Sexual assault was used to gain baby face heat, not heel heat. It was I wonder. I wonder how much, um, like Velvet Sky and Angelina Love knew what was going to fucking happen here, because she, like, she looked uh, decisively shocked 
When he yeah. did that fucking backwards kiss thing, that was fucking disgusting. And we all know that Velvet Sky cannot act worth shit. I want to read my... Um, I, at the end of all my notes, I'll write a conclusion so they get lost. I can like remember my, how I actually felt about this match. I don't need to for this match, but I feel like what I wrote um, works. So at the end of this match, this is what I wrote seconds after. This is before um, we attack Madison Rain and Cody Dean and runs off with the belt. I feel dirty. There is nothing redeemable about this match. The stipulation was a non-starter. The workers are not up to par, and this includes everyone. Sexual assault being used for babyface fire was not, would not be acceptable in 1999, let alone in 2009. Being Cody being framed as a good guy will forever amaze me, let alone him still having a job in the same company in 2020. Um, and, all the, and the sexual assault is almost a cherry on top of a pile of shit. This is a dud. This is a zero out of ten. This barely counts as a wrestling match because there was wrestling moves, I guess. It was in a ring. None of the wrestling moves were, like, even beyond the sexual assault, none of the wrestling moves were done well because Velvet Sky is shit and still is. Angelina Love is shit and still is. Um, Cody Dina was capable and I guess still is, but, like, he did not try here. And ODB could barely move, because I'm pretty sure she has back problems. Why does she keep slapping her tits? But the thing the thing with her is, you, like, you could see the people were struggling to do the moves because her tits are so big. Exactly. And they were so, so fucking... It was comical. It, it was, was like... Com- I, it was, I just don't get how this... Uh, surely somebody got... F- scolded for this shit afterwards. No, no, because Vince Russo definitely... Do you think, it's cute of you to have to assume that anyone but Vince Russo came up with this fucking... Like, oh, Cornette, no, but that's what I mean. Somebody would have got scolded. Cornette, <laughs> Not necessarily no. him. Cornette would still be working for TNA at this time. Because he walked out about six months after this, and I know this because I, re- I listened to a TNA Jim Cornette podcast. That's probably, the fu- probably one of the fucking reasons because that dipshit was running the show. Yeah, exactly, and for that when no one apparently had an issue with this. I I have watched some fucked up things in my time in my time of watching and when I say fucked up, that ranges from shit like this where like sexual assault is the butt of a joke to fucking death matches. And I don't like anything like that. And this is literally just the worst thing I've ever watched, especially for this podcast. When I watched this for the first time. I just said no, and I switched off the podcast. I switched off the show for a couple of days and came back and finished it today. That's what happened. That's what this match did to me. This match made me question, and like this show was already kind of doing that, but this match made me question. Like, this is what TNA is what I watched back then because I didn't have access to WWE apart from the pay per views. I just didn't like TNA is what I watched week to week. How did I become such for wrestling? Like, how did I become so obsessed with wrestling like I am now? Because I don't know how anyone would enjoy this. I literally, even like the most incel of incels would see the fucking set. I'd of like, honestly, like, even though I was at this match and there's at this show and there's bits and bobs that I like clearly remember, I, I was, it was like watching it for the first time. I remember nothing. I don't know if it's because I'd went to the toilet. Or if I just wasn't watching, or if it was just a fact of this was so shit, I don't 
I have no reason to remember it, but I honestly do not remember any of it. I I just don't get it. I don't understand how this existed. Then what, I'm like, what's the? Is this rated anywhere? This match? Um, if it's if it's rated anywhere, it will be on Profite DB. So, like, if you guys keep talking, I'll look it up right now. This was up. Like I say, this was just the worst thing. This isn't 1997, 1998 Attitude Era shit. This is 2009. Yes. And just the entire thing fell off the rails. That poor Lauren Thompson, who's the backstage interview, no wonder she was confused. Because how the fuck do you keep that fucking monstrosity together? Um, so I found Dave Melcher's rating for this match. It was one and a half stars. Really? For out for reference, the other things that got up one and a half stars on this mat on this show include Nash and Foley. Fuck Fucking off. hell. There's no I way you gave it one and a half stars. This is according to Profite DB, which is normally reliable. You have a subscription to the observer so you can get the official source, but according to Profite DB. He gave it one and a half stars. And quite frankly, I don't think Dave Meltzer likes women either. <laughs> what an absolute fucking travesty. Zip. I, Dud, I don't think this deserves No, absolutely I not. Think... No, Dud, no. As far as I'm concerned, Dud is for things like, you know, comedy parody matches that don't really, you know, attribute to anything. Zero is even worse. So, no. Give it zero because oh my god! For me, for me, a zero would count it in like the grander discussion of wrestling. I think putting it at all on the board well means it. It's like I don't know if for me it's like counting the two thousand and five United States Grand Prix as a Grand Prix, which it is, and I think that's a travesty as well. Just fuck no, absolutely no, well. <laughs> This is the first. This would be the first match in history of Podmania's match ratings to get a zero. So I think it should be held as that, because it's that fucking bad. And I don't give. A, I don't know what the fuck Meltzer is smoking, but this is. Why don't we shit. give it the first ever minus one? <laughs> I, a minus one would be. Here's the thing: when I if I have rated stuff minus, not on like officially, but in my head, I've rated stuff minus before. And I base that on ironic enjoyment. Like, for example, I get a lot of ironic enjoyment out of, say, Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan at Halloween Havoc. I got a lot of ironic enjoyment out of that because everything went wrong. Same with most things like, like Heroes of Wrestling. This, I got no enjoyment out of this. I sat there questioning the art form that I love in pro wrestling, questioning my fellow man, questioning... <laughs> Why I was even born? Questioning if Stephen Hawking was on this card because eventually, like, when I'm questioning why I was even born, I might as well question what happens when I die. And quite frankly, it'll, it'll give me a panic attack. This, pa- this match will give me a panic attack. So what I'm saying is, fuck this match. I I don't care what you call it. It's just a bad match. And anyone involved in TNA at this and like in management of TNA at this point should be fucking still ashamed of this match. How this match doesn't rank. With like the Jenna Maraskas versus Charmels or the Pat Pattersons versus Jack Briscoe's evening gown matches of the world will forever baffle me. Do you want to read what I wrote down for this? 
Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, I put fake tits and awful hits everywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> Velvet Sky absolutely sucks. Uh, Cody and the harassment, what the fuck? Um, look at the state of Velvet Sky's arse. After, after she took an absolute fucking pounding. Well, a slapping, I mean. Um, and I just put horrible, horrible, Cody shit. And dirty pervert. It's just like... <laughs> and then, who wrote the shit? Oh, yeah, Russo, you tit. Why was why was Velvet so, so over? Is it just because how she looks? You what? Why was Velvet so over? Shake the ass at the camera a lot. I mean, like... Yeah, but, like, I could shake my ass at a camera. I'm not going to get that popular. It's not like hers, was it? <laughs> no, it's better. So, Garth, what Pretty do you want to give this? Is very I just think we need to move I'll away from this. Zero, minus, whatever. <laughs> I'm getting zero. Do it. Right. I mean, like, Go on, Chris. I don't want to give it... I don't think it's a number... I just want to move on with my life. So, Taz and Joe promo. The Taz promo was really good here. One thing I will will question is why does Samoa Joe of all people need a mouthpiece? And why is he doing the Taz thing? Yeah, why is he wearing a hood? Also, why does he have a cock on his face? Uh Like, I love the point of that's not drawn on. Kevin Nash has put paint on his cock and slapped on (laughs) Samoa Joe's face. That's the only. He stood over him and just lobbed it on. Yeah, there you go. And then, like, the patterns are always a little different each time. And it's always in a slightly different part of Samoa Joe's face each time. But not that different, because um, Kevin Nash is very precise and, as a, by the looks of it, has a very thick phallus. Now, this promo. This is just... Uh, go on. Um, it was... Taz says... It's weird. The beginning of it was Taz saying a lot, but not really saying anything. And then basically going, Joe defeated himself on impact. So therefore, because Joe has trained himself not to beat himself in the nation of violence, <laughs> Joe will now not beat himself and he'll beat you. Like, it's fine. Like, it, the subject is fine. Just Taz is inherent. It's like Ray Wyatt, how he can spend 10 minutes saying nothing, but you still sort of on the edge of your seat, especially Rob. Um, but yeah. The whole... Like, the whole- Nation of Violence, I don't get because it's. Well, is it I, one guy or is it was it supposed to be a faction? Right, Gaff, I was twelve at the time. I is cannot, it somewhere that he went? <laughs> I cannot remember. Are you saying it's but like an island? Just like, Next stop, yeah. Nation of Violence. Yeah, <laughs> he, <laughs> he, Nation of Violence. He is. He is a rock. He is an island. Um, okay, this was so blatantly. Go- this was blatantly, and you you can tell it when Joe is in the ring. It's Joe at his least motivated yeah, I've ever seen. By, and I don't want to be rude, but you can tell it by his size. Like, he's clearly not trying. And, like, this match was fine. I don't think Joe is capable of having a bad match, per se. But nothing in this... Like, I there were two occasions where I won't take, a, where I won't take notes. It's... One of it's like, because um, I can literally count on one hand when, when it's happened for a podcast. One is when I think a match is so good that I get so in the moment and like 
Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada in the two out of three falls match happened there. Didn't take any notes. Had to go in. Had to go in purely from memory. Or it's so average. Like, and I don't mean bad. I mean like average. But I have nothing to say. I have nothing mm. to say about this match. I like Homicide. I like Joe. In fact, I love Joe. I love Homicide. Both of them in at various parts of their career have amazing matches attributed to them. Even up until recently for both of them and 20 years ago for both of them. But this match, nothing to say. Couple of yeah, was, I've got a few things. There's a pretty sick dive by Joe, which at this point he was doing it anyway all the time. But he seemed pretty fucking hard. And the bit, there was a bit that I wrote down that was um, where Homicide was slapping Joe and you could, you could blatantly see and hear Joe say, another one. <laughs> I just thought that was brilliant. He's like, another one, another one. And f- it's throwing fucking... Homicide down. Another! Uh, his chest was just absolutely like beetroot red. But yeah, like, I have nothing to say about this match. It's like I like the finish where Joe had to sort of oh. double down on his choke. That finish was great. That finish felt legitimate, like when... Um... Homicide went for the obvious route out of the of the um, clutch and yeah. then thought because it's the obvious route out. Love that shit. That felt proper legitimate. The rest of it, it this was a five out of five match with a six out of ten finish, and I don't think a six out of ten finish saved it. I think this is bang average. I don't. I cannot think of any reason I will ever think about this match <laughs> after, apart from the cock on the face. That's the only reason I'll ever think about this match ever again. Roberto. <sighs> Homicide's great Samoa Joe's great don't know what it was they had absolutely no chemistry whatsoever um, especially early on it just seemed really choppy really slow and you know I'm a massive mark for Samoa Joe but it seemed to be Samoa Joe who was really wooden and just there seemed to be no it seemed to meander a lot. Um, it picked up towards the end, and you know it was it was actually quite enjoyable towards the end. But yeah, just yeah, it it seemed to come out of nowhere. There was you know there was a really good point where Joe hits um, hits him with a power bomb, and then as Homicide kicks out, he transitions straight into the STF. You know it's something that he does all the time, but it's still something that's good. Um, it, it was a very unremarkable match considering who was in the match. Five out of ten. Five out of ten. Like, literally, when I gave five out of ten to the Trevor Murdoch match, I was like, well, Abyss is in there. Of course it was bang average. But um, here, I'm like, this should be an eight. This should be an easy eight. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of the story of this pay-per-view, really, isn't it? You know, there's quite a lot of promise in certain matches, but you know, I mean, D'Angelina Love, Velvet Sky, Cody Dean, or an ODB match was just, you know, you look at it and on the face, Nothing. it's 10 out of 10. Um, and just, I don't know what it was. <laughs> it just didn't work. But here... It's just all the writing. It was all in the writing. <laughs> it just, I don't know. I don't know what it was here. It just, it seemed to go... It was a very bad numbers match. It was, like it was a TV interested. match. Yeah, it was like they weren't interested. Um, I, just, I just wanted more. I mean, I I did give it six, but I think I was being generous. Um, I'm more than happy for it to be five. I think, I think part of it is like you're swept away by like the talent in there. It's like homicide is great, 
And Samoa Joe is like one of those people. It's like, how are you not one of the biggest things to ever happen? <laughs> so like you're sort of swept away. And then like, but when you get into a brass tacks of this match, apart from the finish, I don't remember anything because it's just Samoa Joe shit. And then after what, you know what it's like, Rob? Remember when we reviewed No Mercy and it was RVD versus Ric Flair? Yeah, and we talked about it being oil and water. Yeah, exactly. It's like that. It's oil and water mixing, not to create a rainbow, but then there's oil on the floor and someone spunked on it. That's basically... It was like a paint-by-numbers match. It was. It was It was like there were two computers and they wrestled like that by design. Mm-hmm. So we move on. on. JB cashed up to Kurt Angle as he enters Matt Morgan's dressing room, yeah. which is how big is the impact zone where Angle got up an hour ago? And did it take him an hour to walk to Morgan? <laughs> it wasn't even that that I noticed. It was the fact that Matt Morgan absolutely dwarfs Kurt Angle as he stands in place. Just honestly, the but, difference must be about half a foot. It's ridiculous. I, mean, I, I actually noticed it's about... It's a full when, foot. I, I, I noted that when we got to the main event. Um, when you put um, Sting at... Angle, Sting, and Morgan next to each other. It's like me. It's like Garth, me, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> um. Basically, Kurt says, "I know you want into the main event mafia. You can be in to the main event mafia if you do one thing for me. Um, and it's just to make sure that Sting mustn't win it. Either of those two can win it, because then it stays in the main event mafia. But it cannot go to Sting because it'll give hopes to. And I quote: "All the young pricks in the dressing room." Um, Morgan be so Kurt was secretly yeah, Morgan begrudgingly <laughs> relents. They shake on it, and that's that. And with that, we move on to a video package, uh, sort of going through the feud oh. between Booker T and Scott Steiner and the, Team Three D. My favorite part of this package was a line from Bully Ray. Um, if I knew being screwed felt this bad, I'd have stayed a virgin. Yeah, amazing, <laughs> absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, then we, obviously we move on to our semi-main, which is, as I've mentioned, the main event Mafia team of Booker T and Scott Steiner defeating Team 3D for the TNA World Tag Team Championships. Brawling! All of the brawling! Uh, and a wild Garth Pierce. That's basically what my notes were. Oh, that's literally the only... Right, so I do have more notes. Um... Mostly, mostly going. Um, how did Team 3D get less pyro than ODB? I didn't even notice that. Me, ODB got so much pyro. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Um, but like, yeah, it was a standard Team 3D match. We brought it for the crowd. I'm sure it's great for the crowd. As Garth will probably attest in about five minutes. But um, as a match, my my main thing here is not much happened, and what. And what happened was fairly wank. Like, the highlight was Scott Steiner very awkwardly jumping from a raft, not even a raft, and like, it was like three feet up. Also, what the fuck was up with Booker T's entrance? That was not a Booker T entrance. He was like... What were these flexing? Yeah, you know what's weird? Around this time, he was also talking in his Jamaican accent, and I looked this up. Turns out, he was looking for film roles at the time. Brilliant. And, I love um, that. No, so he just kept doing weird shit, and TNA kept going, please stop doing the weird shit. And he's like, no, I'm trying to show my range. Please stop acting on telly. Yeah. Um, one, the one thing I did not hear was, um, so, like, next week, but notes, I'm going to read verbatim. 
Um, this is awesome. No, it's not. It's dull. Shut the fuck up. You're not sheep. Stop acting like it. Um, then not much happened. It was fairly wank when something did happen. And then um, fucking dusty finish. Two out of ten. Really? Well, it was a three out of ten. And then the dusty finish happened. And it was a two out of ten. I quite enjoyed this match. Of course you did. You were there. You were there. This match it, was designed from the Even light. watching it again, I quite enjoyed it. You were that it. close. You could hear Booker T's Jamaican accent. <laughs> you joined in on the get potato. You probably joined got, in on the... I've got the pictures to prove. Yeah, you did. That should be the thumbnail for this podcast. <laughs> Just Garth's face. Garth. Garth put it on the TNA belt. Go on, Garth, then. Uh, <laughs> disagree with Chris. Why do you think it was good? I thought it was just a fun brawl match. It was just... There was nothing inherently bad about it. Um, I liked the pit where brother was absolutely fucking brutalising Scott Steiner with the, um, the railing. That's where it cut away, and you can see me in the corner there next to Bubba. Uh, next to Booker T, I mean, where he's kicking the shit. Where he's, I'm sure at one point he falls down the stairs. He misses the, he misses um, the uh, Chris mentioned a dive <laughs> off the advertising boards, uh, which he does do. He does a flying clothesline off there. He does miss it the first time because he falls off the advertising board, which is both hilarious <laughs> and terrifying all at the same time. Um, I liked the, the Doomsday device, but you know where, like, Booker T... Is supposed to move the chair out of the table yep. out of the way. You can you can see they have to like sort of slightly alter the move because Steiner's head's going to smash into the side of the table because <laughs> Booker T hasn't moved it far enough. Um, it's just like fucking hell, man. At least try. Um, I thought there was a few did I ever see it, call them near falls, like decent near falls after some like a power bomb and stuff. I thought it was just it was just a fun match and I, honestly. I quite enjoyed the the, the, the stupid finish. Um, the because I was watching it, I was like, "VAR, it's VAR," which is a football term, Chris. Um, where they go to the thing. I'm I'm positive when they first go to that monitor, there's nothing on it. It's a blue screen. It's not even a. And it's not a monitor. The monitor. It's not a monitor. It's just not a screen. It's a box they go to. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just thought, I just thought it was just daft and fun. I'll give it a six out of ten. <laughs> um, the finish was stupid. The match was dull, apart from the last three minutes. Um, I agree. Some of the close two counts were great. You know, I'm never gonna pop. I'm never not gonna pop for a three D. Um, but <laughs> if you're having to do television replays where the crowd can't see what's going on. And then not only that, it took them a maximum of eight seconds of intense scrutiny before they established who won. Eight seconds. That all it, that's all it took. Yet on the replays, no one could possibly see whose hand had gone down first. But in eight seconds, because let's not forget that there were two referees in here for reasons. Um... <laughs> Just absolute nonsense. They decide that the main event mafia win, though when you look at the replay, if anyone wins, it's the fucking Dudleys. Um, just <laughs> absolute nonsense. The first 
10 minutes. I mean, they're in the crowd within, what, a minute and a half? They're in the crowd, and they're in the crowd for a long, long time. Um, I just I found it very slow. Uh, it, the brawling was a bit uninspired. It picked up in the middle, like I said, and then it was mired with one of the more questionable endings, and the crowd hated it because they were shouting bullshit around the arena. Um, it was funny when um, Booker T got, gets thrown like the crowd the first time, and you can tell they haven't told the crowd to move back. <laughs> and he's just like sandwiched between the crowd and the uh, Ends up on someone's knee. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> just I'm stuck. Um There was a there's actually a controversy about something like that in ICW because Luke King Sharp he's about four foot eleven. And when he got thrown out the ring, he'd always like jump over a barricade. So there'd always be a moment where you could see he was looking for a fucking attractive woman to fall into the lap. <laughs> nice. What an idiot. I gave this three. I gave, I gave this a three until the dusty finished and then I knocked it down to a two. Like, honestly, if there was Joe Gertner here, it might be a four, but um, there was no Joe Gertner, I'm afraid. So Yeah. Too very, hard. very bang average match. Um, Borash is backstage again, um, seemingly staring at a character of himself and Mick Foley. Um, he then talks to the actual Mick Foley um, and he talks about the pride he's got for the belt. Uh, whereas Kevin Nash just uses it as an excuse to put some more dollar signs on the end of his name. Cash yeah, exactly. When it comes to comic book conventions of all places, he said. Um, and then that leads to our TNA Legends Championship match. Now, this was changed or... Now, Garth, you might have to help me out here. Either it was the TV Championship and it changed to the Legends Championship, or after it was called the Legends Championship, they changed it to the TV Championship. I think it changed I after actually... because um, then that's when Team 3D split up and Devon had a run with it. I but actually... it's the same belt. Yeah. I actually, I actually looked this up because I was confused as well. So what happened? It was the Legend Championship. It was like the Booker T's um, Million Dollar Championship and then he decided to um, defend it. So lost it. And then it became a TV title over time when they got tried to be more professional. And then um, Devon won it and got, and then left the company and we never stripped him of the title. So he came back six months later, still the champion. Uh, um, and then when GFW tried to buy TNA, which was a thing, um, it became the King of Mountain Championship, which was won by Jeff Jarrett. And then it became the Grand Championship, which is A, a very Irish way to describe things. <laughs> and B, was like an MMA championship. It was yeah, weird. Yeah, it had the round system and, and judges and all sorts, didn't it? Yep, and then it became, and then it got retired and we're just like, we'll just use the X Division belt because it's easy. I like the idea of a Legends Championship. I think there is a place for something like this, definitely, especially, you know, at this time in TNA's sort of tenure when you look at some of the Legends that they were actually, you know, continuing to use. Um, is Kevin Nash versus Mick Foley in 2009 a semi-main on any sort of pay-per-view? No. Absolutely not. Especially as Foley is in, you know, the last desperate throws of his professional wrestling career. 
Did you see Kevin Nash walk to the hey, fucking he ring? He got there without tearing his quad, which is impressive in itself. Which is more than you can say for most eras. Exactly. Oh, I quite like the idea of a Legends Championship, and I think they should bring it back. Um, this match, um, I'm going to forego all my notes just to talk about the fucking blade job of Foley's that was, oh, A, unbelievable. so dangerously close to his eye, and B, was just pissing throughout the entire match from there. The poor bloke Blood was blinded. Blood ended up on a camera. It did. <laughs> I quite liked that. I thought it had a really, really good camera shot. Because um, obviously at that point oh, you were doing it through the yeah. blood. I thought it looked ace. Um, we got Foley yeah. tearing hair out of his head like it's 1996. Amazing. But I quite enjoyed this match, I'm not going to lie. Um, it's probably one of my favourites on the card. In fact, it's probably my second favourite on the card. My notes are an absolute roller coaster for this match. <laughs> so it starts with me fucking hating it because neither man can move and both men are trying to wrestle and it's not good. And then um, I was really annoyed because they missed the Foley elbow and just got the shot, and then it cut away to black, because, again, that's the thing that happened on this fucking pay-per-view. Apparently, they didn't upload the DVD rip. Sure. And then um, it was back to that. And then that middle three or four minutes where Kevin Nash was boxing with Foley, and Foley was bleeding and, ca- and blood was flirting everywhere. Love that shit. Love it. And then the ending happened, which was pure wank. So it's like, wank, this is all right, actually back down to wank. It was like fucking season 11 of Doctor Who. Um, Why is it with you with Doctor Who references on this podcast? It's my favourite show and no one else watches it. Um, Well, no one else I know watches it. Loads of people watch it, but so many of them are weirdos. Anyway, um, yeah, the ending was baffling. I don't know who that girl is, but like... I, I was thinking, by the time we got halfway through this match, if this actually... Um, had a proper ending, which TNA doesn't do if this pay-per-view is anything to go by, um, then it might get a passing grade. But then that fucking ending happened and they missed how Kevin Nash got the ending. Foley just fell over and Nash got the pin. Fucking that's Andy Climat taking a match where they were literally fucking boxing blood onto a camera. So, yeah, like... It was good in the middle, but like the start was wank, the end was wank. It was still probably like my fourth favorite match on the card. I like the Joe match better, and I like the Murdoch match better. But yeah, this is wank for the most part. Go on, Garth. Garth liked it. Again, it's it was a decent match. It was it was a Mick Foley match, which. Nine times out of ten is an average match for me anyway. Cause I'm sorry, but like, if you think this is an average McFoley match... But he's, a very, he's very limited. Um, even when he was at his most fucking agile, you could tell he trained himself in his back garden. We like, had an, Well, not an argument, but we had a discussion about this on the Lost podcast from last week. Where you said um, to me and Rob, name a good name like a great McFoley match, and we named like twelve. And I disagree, but 
Um, because Shawn Michaels is in one of them, that's why you disagree. This is uh, it's a four out of ten, and the only reason I give it that is because it looked like Kevin Nash actually tried in this match, um, and he even bothered himself to cut himself. Did uh, you guys notice um, Kevin Nash's cashmere ripoff for that? Yes. Oh, he's all I, yeah. An absolute rip-off of Led Zeppelin. And um, like, rip someone off. It might as well be Jimmy Page. Everyone else does. It was, this match was fine. It was, it was like I say, it was a match where you were going to get blood guaranteed anyway. Um, and then the barbed wire back comes out. I'm guessing it wasn't real barbed wire because he smashed fully over the head with it. I think Foley just doesn't care. And then, for no reason whatsoever, Abyss comes out. Is it because he has also has a barbed wire bat called Janice? That's TNA in a nutshell, isn't it? And it's like something was happening, and then for no reason, Abyss. <laughs> um, it was fine. Like four, maybe five. I agree it's a four, but I don't agree that this is an average McFoley match. Again, you've got to remember that, you know, looking at um, Mind Games, which I think seems to be the the tempole for <clears throat> any Mick Foley match. You know, that's 1996. This is 13 years later than that. You know, it's when it's 12 years after the Attitude Era. It's, it's three years after his last great match with Edge. It's a lot. And the bloke is, you know, he's broken. It's it's unfair to expect him to do this. Um, but it's also, at that point, dump him on your television show. Yeah. But I I quite enjoyed it. It was far better than I thought it was going to be. I think that's probably because I went in with lowered expectations. But yeah. No expectations, like none. Sting's backstage with Lauren Thompson. Uh, make sure that... Go on. What are you rating it? Um, I gave it five, but I'm willing to go for four. That's fair. Uh, Sting's backstage, like I said, with Lauren Thompson. Uh, she makes sure that Everyone knows that even though everyone is talking about Kurt Angle and Matt Morgan, there is, in fact, a third person in that ring. And uh, this is the first time that anyone has mentioned the fact that Sting is also in this fucking match. Um, he says, as long as he breathes, he will never lose hope. And then makes a really, really clumsy AJ Styles reference on his way out for the match. This is a, this is a bad drama. Like, the, the content was generic. And then the delivery was There was bad. no need for it. It didn't add anything yet. There was no There was no point to it. There was no point to it at all. It made me actively know... I know this is like 11 years later, but it made me actively know that Sting was going to lose. No one can get a promo like that and be expected to win. And again, Dixie Ca- Carter had an absolute fucking stalk on for Sting. Like, an unbelievable stalk on. Like, he main evented, I think, like... More bound for glories than Undertaker did Mania. I don't think it's that. I think mm. it's just the case that Sting had such a ridiculous lose face that there was absolutely no chance he was going to win. It wasn't even the promo. It's the fact that he came out and he looked so fucking miserable and put out that there was just there was there was no yeah, way he was like, winning. Also, um, how many so many times in the last like two years leading up to this, TNA just spunked Kurt Angle versus Sting up the wall. And like, so essentially, they looked at the very tired at that point. Um, Kurt Angle versus Sting feud, and thought, you know what? We'll add 
a bit of amazingness to this feud. <laughs> it's the blueprint. Matt Morgan, you know that guy who was on Brock Lesnar's team of the 2003 Survivor Series and did nothing? The guy who we've seen all night, yet we still need four separate video packages in the build-up to this main event. One to hype the feud, one to hype Matt Morgan, one to hype Kurt Angle, and one to hype Sting. And honestly, to be quite those frank. other three individual video packages for the actual competitors didn't need to be there. They didn't add anything. Uh, what happened was this match went 10 minutes and they were like, well, fuck. We need to stall for time. Mm. And also, I'm very surprised that Seth Rollins, the architect, never teamed up with Matt Morgan, the blueprint. And then also teamed up with the Twin Towers. <laughs> Morgan and Rollins and Sons. <laughs> the, blue, the blueprint, <laughs> the architect, and the towers. Nice. Um... Garth, what did you think of this match then? Again, it's another one that I thought it was fine. Um, I I don't have a problem with Matt Morgan at all. Like, yes, he's a big lumbering off, but I don't think he's awful. I think he plays the gimmick of the big the guy. Like, um, nothing here. Like, None of them here really. I mean, Sting is just Sting, and he's as limited as he was fucking five or ten years before this. Like again, Sting does Sting, and it's the same regardless. Um, I just I thought it was fine. I thought, um, I mean, obviously they are so fucking high on Matt Morgan. It's untrue, but I loved all the individual videos they did before each entrance. I thought that was quite good. Um, give it like sort of and I like how they always do the proper big match intros for them all. Um I thought it was good. I thought there was a there was a bit where Matt Morgan I think was he had his back to Sting. Sting sort of clotheslined him over the top rope but he kinda pushed him and I was like, is that like a receipt? Is that Sting Sting going like shoot. That's shoot brother. Well, is is Matt Morgan done something here that Sting's not happy about? Because he proper leathers him, and Matt Morgan goes absolutely flying and smashes it like off the fucking um, side of the ring um, in front of his wife. Yeah, who doesn't um, quite understand that her husband is being the being beaten the shit out of? <laughs> She's got a big toothy smile on her face, just happy to be there, patting her husband on the back. No idea what's going on. Like, it's weird. Like, both of you are in long-term committed relationships, and, like, I'm pretty sure if anyone beat the shit out of you in front of your partner, someone, like, they'd have some look of concern on their face, but wouldn't have a massive no, grip. probably not. I mean, she, she'd probably be <laughs> laughing. She'd probably be the one doing it. Maybe she won't. No, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, this but, match like, was... I think it's the definition of average, this match. I thought it was, like... Decent. I actually liked the bit where Angle sort of pulls a rope down and Morgan comes flying out and he's like, "Look, I tried to save you," because Sting misses with a fucking drop kick. That was so, like Angle turns on Morgan was so predictable. Of course it was, but that's so what? Like, 
I know so what, but like I've, put, I've, I've, I've written down as well. He would go Hebner pulling another screw job. Yeah. Um, we do get a you screw Brent yeah. champ, which is amazing. There's two. There's there's two in here because he he screws Morgan the first time. Um, when he doesn't bother coming in because Angle's apparently hurt uh, after eating Morgan's boot. Um, he's like, no, I'm not coming in the count during this match. I'm going to see to this guy because this medical guy, I need to supervise him. It's like, get him back in the ring, you dick. And then um, he does it the second time. He like slowly just lumbers himself into the ring. So Angle just pulls him back out of the ring. Um, I just, and then Angle obviously wins when he smashes him with a chair. I just thought it was a fine fun again and didn't hate it enjoyed it 6 out of 10 I didn't like this match but I also didn't hate like again I have no strong feelings towards this match like I forgot how much I enjoyed Sting and Angle's TNA theme I think they're both great um Angle turns of Morgan was happened from a million miles off um but Tending to the medic was actively stupid, but again, at that point, I didn't care. Um, I have two notes here. Um, first, The first note I made for this match was um, they've been beating up Sting for like five minutes now. And then the next note was Sting's offense making me miss when he was getting beaten up. Because <laughs> like, Sting's offense wasn't... Get, like, he was getting to the point where he was just wank, and he would wank for a long time in DNA. Like, wank for a long time while being pushed. And he's getting to that point now. He's not quite in the T-shirt, um, taking Bully Ray to the limit, but, like... Hey, those matches with Bully Ray were good. They were fine, but he might take off your T-shirt. I don't care if your tits are saggy. But, <laughs> yeah, nothing in this match made me care. And, like, it wasn't long enough to build anything like you have three motivations to get over and you kind of got them over but not really and like of course angle was okay of course he was playing possum like if anyone thought he was like it would be a twist for him to not be for there not to be a twist and then the only part really of note in terms of like what happened in this match was the unprotected headshot to matt morgan which was purely disgusting and will either give or take away marks depending on who you are as a person and then Angle gets the win because of course he does of course the big monster gets pinned and of course Matt Morgan's push was for nothing we'll see you next week at fucking no surrender or whatever <laughs> and yeah just watch Impact because quite frankly pay-per-view isn't where we make our numbers why do we even do pay-per-views because WWE does a massive that's all we know. It it was fine. This this match was fine. This match isn't your your feet will stay warm because there's no socks being blown off in this match, and that's fine, I guess. I'm sure it's a live experience. It was great seeing Sting. It was great seeing Angle. It was a thing seeing Matt Morgan, but it was a thrill. Was <laughs> <is> the word. <laughs> <laughs> but there's. It's nothing to be gained, nothing to be lost, apart from like your idle ten minutes while waiting for the grave. That's what this match is. Five out of ten. I give it six. Um, <laughs> like it, it as a pay per view main event, it's not great. It you know there should be more. It certainly should only it shouldn't only last ten minutes, and there certainly should be some more. I don't know. Action. 
action in there. But I enjoyed, for what it was worth, I enjoyed the story of Angle and Morgan, even if Morgan is completely useless in the ring and doesn't know how to sell anything at all. Um, Sting was in there for some reason, but I agree with you, Chris. Like he's he's far past his best here, and I actually found it. I actually found Sting a lot worse here than I did Foley. And I know that Foley was sort of in his environment, you know, a hardcore area, not where he had to <laughs> wrestle. But Sting here, for me, was just like past yeah. a point of caring or anything like that. And I think that's really sad. I think I think the thing with Foley, like Sting for a time in, WC, in WCW in separate areas was the guy, whereas Foley was never the guy. So Foley's never gotten out of the mindset of I need to work really hard or Sting, especially he now is treated like a god. So he's obviously doesn't need to try. And he didn't try here. And he didn't try a lot. Like Sting definitely had standout moments in DNA, but like there's large periods where like can you name one good thing about his, his series with Jeff Jarrett? No, no, you cannot, because it was wank. And Angle was kind of the same, but he sort of has the excuse of being addicted to drugs at the time. So like, I give him kind of a pass because drugs do make... I, I don't wrestle and I don't take many drugs, but I imagine it impaired your ability to wrestle. And he still wrestles with Jeff. Couldn't go one. Um, but no, but like Angle was as crisp as ever. I think I, I, I do kind of agree with Rob here, like a straight up one-on-one match between Matt Morgan and Kurt Angle would be more interesting because Kurt Angle can work magic with nothing. I mean, he dragged a great match out of Kane for fuck's sake. So The problem is, the problem you run into then is if you are running a pay-per-view model, which, you know, TNA were doing at this point, you know, your standard TV and then one pay-per-view at the end of a month, is your pay-per-view going to sell? I don't know TNA was struggling to sell pay-per-views anyway, but is your pay-per-view going to sell with a main event of Kurt Angle versus Matt Morgan, who's who's tuning in for that? So I do, I do understand the insertion of Sting from that standpoint, but you know if you're gonna do that, then it needs to be a better it needs to be a better match than what we got because again it, it's similar to the Samoa Joe homicide. It was fine. It was a match. You know there was nothing offensive in there aside from um, Earl Hebner deciding that he was gonna play fucking ambulance man as opposed to actual referee no i'm not counting the legitimate pinfall you had over sting because i'm tending to kurt angle with these other three people um but yeah aside from that it's a it's a small nitpick um yeah so i i actually gave it six garth what did you give it um i think i give it six as well seven um chris just before i ask your rating how do we feel about the big boot of Matt Morgan being called the Carbon Footprint? <laughs> I really like that as a name. I'm not going to lie. I think it's great. It's a, it's a name wasted on the most average wrestler I've ever seen in my life. I think it's unfair for you to call Matt Morgan an, uh, an average wrestler. I think he's significantly worse than average. Um, <laughs> actually, and both. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on cage match right now let's see what cage match thinks cage match rates Matt Morgan 6.1 spend this pay-per-view to be fair yeah um, I'm, I'm one of the any gold uh, well he has the look that's one I of mean, the he did go on to win the TNA world heavyweight championship twice to be fair <gasps> 
He's a two-time TNA World Heavyweight Champion, yeah. How do I not know this? At least I think he is. Go and check on Cage Match, I'm sure he is. He's definitely a... Hang on, Cage Match titles. Um... Nope, he's an NWA FUW champion. TNA, he's a two-time tag. Team I apologise. Did he never win the? Uh, did he never win the big one then? He's a three-time um, TNA champion because he also won it with Hernandez. He was also in a tag team with Joey Ryan for a while. Um, but no, um, the only heavyweight championship he ever won was the OVW heavyweight championship. I think that's wise, to be fair, because he was he was. <laughs> oh no, the FNW. FNW, which is... Frontier North? Far North. Ah, I was close. That's Antarctica. <laughs> the Antarctic World Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> Just <laughs> him and a penguin. Um, so, Garth, overall yep. thoughts on this pay-per-view? Barring the Cordy Dina fucking debacle, it was fine. It was a five, maybe six out of ten altogether. Overall. Okay. Um, Chris, what did you think? So, this is the worst show I've I've, I've done. Tag League, mind you, and this is the worst show I've ever done for Podmania. Um, only one match got a um, positive rating for me. Everything else was average or lower. Um, mostly lower. It amazed me how the talent, they, they had so much talent on this card and put all of them in the wrong places to do something good. And I just, I don't understand this. I will never understand this show. And like, quite frankly, like when you look at like the worst TNA shows, like you look at like um, something like Destination X from earlier this year, which is famous for Brian Alvarez trying to get his money back on air. And that at least had a good ultimate X match. The X division match from this, I didn't enjoy too much because I don't think a cage format fits um, X division because X division is a lot of selling on the outside and you can't do that in a cage. So like the only good match from this card was automatically handicapped. And then just you look at the rest of it and like, I'm sorry, the card has no real redeeming features and includes Cody Dina and ODB versus the beautiful people. Hmm. I can't give it anything more. I can't give this card a passing grade. It has one possible match and like a two out of, like even with like the big event that you can get something out of it from like you don't get something like that nowadays. You don't get like big Canadian um, stadium shows outside of WrestleMania with Collision in Korea. There's a couple really good matches on there, as well as it's just interesting. It's interesting to see North Korea in a way that you don't even see from news crews. So there's nothing to be drawn from this. There's no joy. Like even the Activision match, even you think it's an out, eight out of ten, watch the Activision match and then never watch anything else on this card because. It's not even laughably bad. It's just bad, and one thing actually made me question my fandom of wrestling. So, this I think you went a little bit over dramatic. <laughs> I'm not being over dramatic. I, it was off. I literally turned it off and didn't watch any wrestling for two days. Do you realize how weird that is for me? <laughs> 
So, I put... Aside from the excellent opening match, this was top to tail one of the most boring and uneventful shows I've ever watched. From the uninspired brawling of the TNA World Tag Team match and the stupidly convoluted finish to the use of Mick Foley a good three years past when he should have retired, to the Homicide versus Samoa Joe match that promised so much yet delivered so little, to the main event and TNA's insistence on pushing Matt Morgan because he was ex-WWE, was seven foot tall and jacked, despite the fact he wrestled like a cupboard full of ham. That's pretty much my take on the entire pay-per-view. I don't think it's as bad as Chris thinks it is. Um, it's certainly not a great pay-per-view, especially when you consider that later that year they'd have Final Resolution, which was a great show, and had like Match of the Year contenders in Desmond Wolf versus Kurt Angle and AJ Styles versus Daniels, um, or Turning Point 2009, which is also a great show. Um, this wasn't great, and it wasn't because there was bad wrestling, it was just dull. They did, you know, you look mm-hmm. at Homicide versus Samoa Joe, which on paper is, you know, a good match. They did everything they were supposed to and nothing else, nothing screamed out there. You know, Beer Money Inc. versus uh, the British Invasion, you know, you've got James Storm and Bobby Roode in there, but it was the bare minimum and nothing else. And I think that's what it struggled with. It struggled with just being very formulaic and boring. And when they tried not to be boring, you know, you look at the finish of um, the TNA World Tag Team Championship match, they just went about it in completely the wrong way. Um, But yeah, I just... Overall, it was a relatively boring show with very, very little... Very, very little rewatch value. I, I disagree with Chris, and I said this earlier on the in the night. I really, really enjoyed the X Division match. Uh, sorry, the X Division number one contendership match, Steel Asylum match. I thought that was great. Um, really good spots, great showcase for everyone involved and made me realise just how good Jay Lethal's Randy Savage impression actually is. Um, but yeah, what I would say to you is check out the Steel Asylum match and then go and check out Final Resolution or Turning Points. They are better shows. Uh, with better matches and have AJ Styles on the card. So go and check that out. And don't watch the Cody uh, match. Never watch any Cody <laughs> Dina match. Um, I think this is pretty much... No, actually, that's that's unfair. Just just don't watch this match because it's, it's literally the worst thing I've ever seen. And that includes everything that isn't wrestling. Before we sign off, can we get um, Gareth Cody Dina in action? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you sound like Cletus of the Simpsons. That was, that's no, good, it's probably it's a good way to uh, what's it? It's a good thing to uh, measure yourself up against. In, to be fair, in that voice, can you say um, I wash myself with a rag on a sick? <laughs> um, uh, I wash myself with a rag on a stick. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> That's made all this worth it. <laughs> anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Go and subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Check out the website, www.podmania.co.uk. Uh, check us out on Twitter, at Podmania. Facebook, Podmania Podcasts. Um, you can talk to me on Twitter at, at RealRobGoodwin. Garth, where can they find you? At the Gothberg. Uh, Chris, where can they find you? at Bill Gates (laughs) and we'll talk to you guys again soon you've been listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast 
follow us on Twitter at Podmania, Facebook at Podmania Podcasts, and YouTube and Instagram at RealPodmania. And check out the website, podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans... Thank you.